Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. And they are here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done well. Have you had a leaky roof? We did, and it was a nightmare. But through Angie, we found an amazing roofer who specialized in flat roofs, and he fixed it right and quickly. Angie can help you find the best price for your project. Angie lets you request and compare quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. Angie has cost guides that tell you what others have paid for similar projects, both nationally and in your area. Get started at Angie.com, that's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. The app and website are both free to use. That's Angie.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. Joe Biden has announced that he's going to run for president. Surprise, surprise, right? But his announcement it was really rather remarkable. I mean, he is running full out on the platform of that guy in the White House is nuts, and we've got to get him out and I'm the one who can do it. I mean, he started out his campaign announcement, the rollout, you can see the video, it's all over the internet, and uh, TV is playing it about every 15 minutes. He plays the video of Charlottesville, Jews will not replace us, you will not replace us, and all this kind of stuff, and says, that is not America. And, you know, we're in a battle for the soul of this country. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on Joe Biden's candidacy. You know, every time somebody, a major candidate, we did it with Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg. Every time a major candidate has thrown their hat into the ring, I've asked you, what do you think? What are your thoughts on Joe Biden? Donald Trump welcomed him to the race this morning. He said, welcome to the race, sleepy Joe. I only hope you have the intelligence, long in doubt, to wage a successful primary campaign. This guy's just like classless. I was watching a video from The Daily Show this morning about the selfie stick scandal when President Obama used a selfie stick in the White House and like a dozen different Fox News commentators talked about how he was bringing disrepute upon the office of the presidency and no president in history has been so disrespectful. And I mean, it was a major scandal over on Fox News, lasted for like a week. Uh, <laughs> he used a selfie stick. And here's Trump, you know, saying, well, I don't think you're, you're all that smart. Anyhow, Trump adds it'll be nasty. You'll be dealing with people who truly have some sick and demented ideas. Again, this, this is not the kind of language that a president of the United States should be using to describe a fellow American, much less a fellow politician. 
It's bizarre. And because of this kind of rhetoric from Donald Trump, self-proclaimed Christian activist Dave Daubenmeyer drove eight hours. That was the day before yesterday he set out, or the, or the two days before yesterday. Eight hours from his home in uh, Ohio to Hillary and Bill Clinton's Chappaquiddick, New York home to demand Hillary Clinton's arrest. And on the way, he posted a video asking for Oath Keepers and other militia members to join him, right? Come on, armed people. He called the Clinton home the greatest crime scene in history. Now, why did this guy do this this week? Because all this week, Sean Hannity and Donald Trump have been focusing on Hillary Clinton. They have to have an enemy. Donald Trump can only, and, and Sean Hannity and Fox News and all these guys, they can only be Superman. They can only be the good guy, truly Superman, as opposed to just a good guy. The only way they can be truly Superman is to have a supervillain. And they've spent 15, 20 years creating this supervillain persona for Hillary Clinton. And they don't want to waste it, right? I mean, who else have they vilified that much? Well, there's Obama, but Obama's keeping quiet. And so Trump tweets about all the crimes committed by crooked Hillary. This was, was uh, on April 24th. This guy, Dobbenmeyer, who showed up to arrest Hillary, he also posted a video. He's got a YouTube channel, or had one. I'm guessing it's been taken down now. That included a lengthy discussion of how unjust. It's a crime that he can't use the N-word anymore. Right? Seriously. No, I'm not making this up. Seriously. So anyway, but I mentioned Joe Biden, and that's where I started on this. And I'm curious to hear your views on Joe Biden's presidency and where it fits in with the others. Also, the She the People event, women of color from all over the country were addressed by, I believe, uh, five, I could be wrong, um, of the major candidates. Maybe it was seven or eight. And Bernie was kind of, at least according to the news reports, the crowd was unhappy with him, shall we say. Now, I don't know if he's getting the Howard Dean treatment. You'll recall that Howard Dean was on MSNBC with Chris Matthews back in the day. This was the 2004. But Howard Dean was, was a serious contender, and he was the most progressive candidate at the time. And he was way ahead, and he was rolling on, and he says, you know, when we're going on to North Dakota and South Dakota and Michigan, yeah! And, of course, that's not how people in the room heard it. But the media used that to take him down. I mean, the media took him down. And it kind of concerned me when I saw CNN's producers picking these really extremist questions for Bernie. Um, if you've spent your life supporting totalitarianism, you know, socialism like in the Soviet Union, which is just a flat out lie, right? But they put her on. Bernie, of course, talked back to it. I mean, there were a couple of them like that. And I thought, you know, if these are just one-offs and this goes away, then I can put my tinfoil hat back in the closet. But if I start seeing that particular clip as bad and out of context as it is, just like Howard Dean's scream over and over and over in the media, and I saw it this morning on Stephanie Rule's show on MSNBC, sure enough, there it is, then this is the media trying to take down Bernie. Which, you know, so, so let's say they succeed in taking down Bernie. Are they going to try and take down Elizabeth Warren next? I'm guessing yes. If what we're looking at is giant corporations who own most of our media companies, in the case of MSNBC, it's Comcast, 
giant corporations saying, you know, we really don't want a progressive as president. The excuse we'll use is we don't think a progressive can beat Trump, which is complete nonsense. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Anyhow, Joe Biden's positions. He has endorsed a $15 minimum wage. He's endorsed a free four-year public college, by the way. He endorsed that in 2015. Keep in mind, these are Bernie positions, some of these. He said that free college, in fact, was one of his top five policies to help the middle class. He's in favor of more progressive tax reform, more, in other words, higher taxes on rich people, more worker protections, major infrastructure investments, and incentives for investors to spend outside of major cities. He has called for a ban on non-compete agreements, which about half of American workers now have that prevents them from going to work for other people in the same industry for a certain number of years. He asked, why are we giving hedge fund millionaires tax breaks but can't find the money to give families a real tax break for childcare? With regard to health care, we don't really know what his position is other than that he said uh, health care should be a right for all and not a privilege for the few. That's kind of Bernie language, but we don't know what the details are. So, oh, and one, one last thing that I would like to note. Last week was uh, Holy Week, right? Celebrating the resurrection, memorializing the execution, the crucifixion of Jesus. And so it's probably appropriate that Mohammed Bone Sawman, uh, Mohammed bin Salman, the, the, you know, Jared Kushner's best friend, in the Middle East, staged 37 executions in a single day, including a crucifixion. One of the people arrested was a student who was arrested at the airport on his way to Michigan. He was 17 years old. He was on his way to, to, um, to go to college, Western Michigan University. He has been held for seven years before he was beheaded. Why? He took part in a public protest. Three of those executed were arrested as minors. The youngest was 16. And according to CNN, quote, one was crucified as a deterrent to others. Jared Kushner, of course, used his security clearance to provide the Saudi dictator, Mohammed, you know, Bone Sawman, to provide him with the names of suspected enemies. How many people whom Kushner turned over have been beheaded or crucified isn't clear. I think that it, this is something that Congress should be looking into. If you're going to use your investigative powers to find out what's going on, one of the most important things, I think, would be to find out what national security information did Jared Kushner give to Mohammed bin Salman and how did he use it? I think that's actually a very, very big deal. And then once again, with regard to the Trump campaign, the NRA has been busted using a series of shell companies. The NRA gave 9,259 times the legal limit to the Trump campaign, along with a bunch of other Republicans. But uh, we're looking at, you know, flat out, blatant, obvious, illegal campaign finance stuff. And now the FEC, the Federal Election Commission, is being sued. This was a day, a day before yesterday, actually. The lawsuit was handed down. It's being sued for refusing to enforce the law, for not going after the NRA. So, you know, we live in, we live in strange times. We'll see how all this will shake out. I, we have a guy in the White House who is just basically committed to not, not only not enforcing the law, but to make things, making things worse. We'll be back. I also want to get into a discussion of impeachment. Well, it may be uh, 
It may be a strength to have a well-funded campaign. It may also be a liability. The headline over at Common Dreams right now, hours after entering 2020 race, Biden to attend big money fundraiser hosted by Comcast and Blue Cross executives. Well, you know, I'm, I'm guessing he's not going to take the pledge, as it were. But, you know, you're going up against Donald Trump. I, is this what it takes? Is this what it's going to take to win? I think not. I think that's a, it's a mistake. But, you know, I've been proven wrong before. We'll see. We'll see where this goes. Rich in Cedro Woolley, Washington. Hey, Rich, what's on your mind today? Joe Biden, if he went back to his working class roots and instincts, I think he did be a really good president. But uh, it's, it's it's pretty questionable. Um, I think Why? He's, uh, Why is? I mean, this is that kind of a moment, you know, uh, when Franklin Roosevelt came into the uh, White House, he was under indictment for bribing a state judge in New York. I mean, you know, he 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 had been the head of the, you know, one of the most corrupt political organizations in America, the New York political machine. And, you know, he rose to the occasion. I mean, it took the prodding of his wife and of Francis Perkins, his secretary of labor, to do it. But, you know, in fact, Francis Perkins mostly wrote the, the New Deal, but he was willing to do it. Well, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I mean, I wish that he would. But I'm just saying that I'm not sure that he would rise to the occasion, but he might. You know, he remembers the days back when we actually had a social contract between management and labor before Reagan blew it all up. Right. Yeah, but whether he would actually do that because so much has changed since then is another question. But anyway, he'd be, a, he'd be like Joan of Arc compared to Trump. But mm-hmm. uh, I think my, my first preference would probably be Bernie or, or Elizabeth or someone who's uh, more focused upon a real solid progressive agenda that would bring about the inequity, that, uh, this, the correct inequity that's going on in, in money and power. This is what the most, the biggest players care about is money and power. Yes. And they, they use these fringe issues, uh, well, they're mostly sex-based issues on the left and on the right, to, as bones to manipulate uh, people, um, uh, to, to scare them to not vote for the other side, whether it's abortion on the right, right side or sexual identity politics on the left. And I'm an evangelical. That's my kind of bottom line, even though I don't relate to them very well anymore. But uh, I'm kind of a social moderate. I'm not a social conservative by any means. And uh, I know one thing, though, that the average family out there in America, they are scared to death of their teenager going to school every day and perhaps having someone try to recruit them to a lifestyle that they will regret down the road. That's how they see it. And so a lifestyle. Are you talking about being gay? Yeah. 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 Being gay is not a lifestyle, Don. Being gay is how you are. I mean, uh, step into the 21st century. Hey, Tom Harbin here. You know, we've been talking on this program for years now about the benefits of CBD. And I just in the last few months discovered New Leaf Naturals CBD oil. It is the premium, organic, highly concentrated pure CBD oil. CBD oil is non-intoxicating, which makes it ideal for people seeking the health benefits of cannabinoids without the mind-altering effects of medical marijuana. CBD is non-toxic and has potent pain-relieving and anti-inflammatory properties. The brand I trust the most is New Leaf Naturals. New Leaf Naturals is the highest quality CBD oil on the market. It's 100% organic, highly concentrated, contains no additional additives, is grown in the United States, and the only ingredient is hemp. So the product remains in its most pure and 
and simple form. Go to newleafnaturals.com. That's N-U-Leafnaturals.com. Save 30% off and receive free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM, T-H-O-M. Go to N-U-Leafnaturals.com. For premium cannabinoid wellness, there's only one place, newleafnaturals.com. Carrie in Chicago. Hey, Carrie, you have some thoughts on Joe Biden? Uh, yeah, in a roundabout kind of way. Uh, I am rereading Malcolm Nance's Plot to Hack America mm-hmm. um, in light of the Miller Report, which basically confirms everything Malcolm had to say. Right. And, you know, it's pretty scary to me. And all this, you know, I love all these 20 candidates that we have, the slate that we have. Um, I would support any of them. Yep. <laughs> and me I'm too. not inclined to bash a single one of them. Yep, me too. And I'm fighting people on both sides of that who are insistent upon bashing our nominees or potential nominees. And I just think that's a, a terrible mistake given, I mean, this is really scary what's going on with Putin. Yeah. I, I agree. That's why, you know, when when the, the top news story over on Common Dreams was Joe Biden's holding a high end fundraiser with, you know, executives from big companies. I was like, you know, right now we're living in a world where where the Citizens United is the law of the land. And if that's what it's going to take to win an election, it's unfortunate, but it's a reality. On the other hand, you know, you've got other candidates like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders who are saying, no, I'm not taking corporate PAC money. I'm not taking big money. Apparently, Pete Buttigieg is taking lobbyist money. Um, I don't know, but, you know, we'll see. <laughs> I guess that's the only thing I can say. You know, it's going to be. Well, let's get rid of the current threat, yeah. which is real. Yes. And then and, and then deal with the larger, more systemic things. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. And that's and that's why I that's why I'm I, I think it's really important to report it. But it's also really important, I think, not to use it as a as a weapon against, uh, in this case, Joe Biden. Carrie, thanks anyway. for the call. Kenyatta in Redlands, California. Hey, Kenyatta, what's on your mind today? I want to tell you that I have absolutely no question in my mind that Joe Biden is going to be the Democratic uh, nominee. Uh, And I'd like to, if I've got a a moment, tell you why I think that. One of my favorite movies was a movie with Danny DeVito and Michael Douglas, I think, and uh, the one with the beautiful legs. Can't think of her name. Uh, Husky voice, whatever her name was, called War of the Roses. And it was about a divorce. Yeah. Kathleen Uh, Turner, uh, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. There you go. Uh, uh, and uh, there is a point where uh, you, you, you probably have seen the movie. At any point, yeah. at any rate, there's a point where Danny DeVito says to Michael Douglas, listen, this is a divorce. There is no winning. There's only degrees of losing. And I've been divorced. And if the, the American uh, people are going to divorce themselves from the Trump administration, they'd better sober themselves up a little bit because there is no winning. There's only degrees of losing. Hmm. And that's the reason why Joe Biden is going to be because he is a moderate Democrat, which to me is an oxymoron. But Donald Trump has moved things so far, so violently to the right. Specifically, remember, he's already had a successful presidency because of what he's done alone in the Supreme Court. Yeah. So in, in, in the, the only and, and the rest of the judiciary, by the way, the federal judiciary. Of uh, yes. You know, packing the okay. courts. Yeah. Pardon my interruption. So, so uh, it's OK. So so the rest of the field, 
the other 19 nominees, maybe they're jockeying for cabinet positions or VP. Who knows? But I do believe that Joe Biden, because he is a moderate Democrat and the best, and this is what I'm talking about, winning degrees of losing, all of the intoxicating and reactionary stuff that we're hearing from people like uh, AOC and, and Ms. Omar, not that I disagree with it, not at all, not one bit. And that's intoxicating and that's wonderful. But the reality is, is the only way to defeat Donald Trump and his base, which is absolutely solid, it's going to take a moderate Democrat. That's what I mean. Only degrees of losing. There's a, it, it, the only way the Democrats can win. But that was the argument that was made for Hillary Clinton, by the way. And all the polling, both during the election and after the election, showed that while Hillary Clinton beat Donald Trump, Bernie would have beat Donald Trump by several million more votes than Hillary Clinton did. And he was an, mm -hmm. an outspoken progressive. I'm not sure that we need to have, I mean, the conventional wisdom with all the Democratic pundits were saying and everybody was saying on TV, oh, we need a moderate Democrat. And it turned out that, you know, America wants change. I mean, I think that, uh, uh, you know, we're at, at a, one of those turning points in history. What is change right now? Well, that's that's the question. And the, and the question is, will Biden change himself to be the you know, to be the incarnation of the modern Democratic Party, which is now at least solidly half a progressive party? And it wasn't just four years ago. And, you know, so I we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But I, I do think I do agree with you that Biden is the front runner and has a very, very high chance of the high probability of becoming the nominee. We'll, we'll see how it shakes out. Kenyatta, thank you for the call. Angie in Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania. Hey, Angie, what's up? I want to compare and contrast Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders because they're both older men. They're both from the uh, the old the old uh, watchdog, however they call it. Bernie is the FDR, definitely. He so I think instead of saying socialism, we need to say FDRism. I think it's very effective. Uh, Joe Biden, there was a list of side to side policies that they voted in the past. Complete opposites. You know, Bernie would vote for yes, and, and Joe would vote for no. Voted the right way on all these policies, and Joe voted no. Also, I heard Social Security. He's for cutting it, and that he. Uh, I need to double check, but I'm well, don't, sure it was don't him. say I heard something unless you know that that. Well, I to heard be he met case. with Paul Ryan, and he was with Paul Ryan on that. But we can we can double check. That, yeah, I'm sure. But there's a lot of policies. Um, right after Joe announced today, he went. And met well, with actually, Blue actually, Angie, if I can, if I can uh, just interrupt you and, and agree okay. with you, actually. Barack Obama, I don't know if Biden was involved in this or not, but Barack Obama met with Paul Ryan and those guys or, or somebody from his campaign and, or from his presidency. And Obama actually entertained the possibility of cutting Social Security through the uh, chained option or chained uh, whatever it's called. Chained, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. and uh, so, you know, to the extent that Biden might have supported that, you could say that that's a cut in Social Security. But um, they walked back from that. And I and I, I would be astonished if that was still Biden's position. Well, right after he announced today, Joe Biden met with the Blue Cross executives and the um, another executive right. Comcast. Um, for yeah. the for the you know and the DNC they are attacking Bernie terribly. It's not fair. And Bernie's the one. I mean, we need bold. We don't need incremental change. We need bold change. Now I'm from a small town in Pennsylvania. Steel workers where all the steel mills shut down. Progressive change with Bernie Sanders all the way. I'm not a Bernie or bus, but I'm really 
and praying that we get it this time because yeah. I've been for Bernie since before 2016. I get it, Angie. Angie, by the way, your phone is breaking up, but uh, thank you. And your, your vote is recorded, essentially. Linda in Colville, Washington. Rich in Cedro Woolley, Washington. Hey, Rich, what's on your mind today? Just real quick about Biden. I'm worried about in an economic crisis, he's going to go more DLC uh, neoliberal than FDR. You know, he may. He may. I mean, you know, at the moment, at least he won't be a Republican. But, you know, how we resolve the next financial crisis, let's let's hold that uh, discussion in advance. I, I think that there are a lot of lessons learned from 2008. You know, bailing out the banks did not work, did not help. Uh, yeah, got us out. But it, it uh, you know, is a, I think it's been a temporary fix. But we'll see. Jeremy in Glendora, California. Hey, Jeremy, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Thanks. And I want to give a shout out to Louise. Uh, she's awesome. And I totally agree with her uh, concept. I think you said a couple of times that uh, she thought that uh, we should never have taken back the South after the Civil War had been ended. Wasn't that well, it was right? rather that Lincoln shouldn't have fought the war. He, he should have said, OK, guys, see you later. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. Same, I totally agree with fact. that. Anyway, on that note, um, I, I suggest and I want to get your thoughts uh, Joe Biden running uh, as a Republican because it's a wide open field. He'd never have to apologize for any of his misdeeds in the past. And there's lots of money to, to scoop up. And it would give, you know, the ruling class Democrats a place to go. We know that they're dying to put their finger on the scale. John, John, John Joe Biden is going to announce that he's running as a Democrat. I mean, you know, come on. He was the Democratic vice president. Oh, he was I mean, a Democratic senator. We, we got plenty of time, you know, and, and there's, it's a wide open field. There's only two guys running in the Republicans and, and they're, they're in big, big need of someone with some sort of semblance of uh, law and order. Oh, so you mean I, I took that to mean that you were taking a, a cheap shot at Joe Biden for, you know, some of his more conservative policies. But what you're suggesting is that somebody of national stature should step up other than Bill Weld should step up and take a serious shot at, at the Republican uh, primary at going after Absolutely. Trump. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I'm suggesting. Yeah. Well, I think it should be a Republican. I think, it, you know, it should be Mitt Romney. It should be, uh, you know, or some some Republican who has gravitas and a national reputation and all that kind of stuff. I don't think it should be Joe Biden we, or any other Democrat. I think the rules don't apply anymore just based on the last couple of years. You know what I mean? That's certainly <laughs> true. That's, but, you know, but there, there still are limits. You know, Joe Biden wants to be the Democratic president of the United States, and there's a chance that he will be. So, well, uh, we used to say to our kids, you know, what, what you want, don't always get. Yeah, there you go. John, thanks for the call. Brent in uh, Hilliard, Ohio. Hey, Brent, what's on your mind? You had some thoughts on the uh, five-hour town hall marathon on CNN? I did. I listened to the whole thing. And uh, so, surprisingly, I came away and don't think that very many of them did themselves many favors out of all five. And I'm a Democrat, so I'm trying to be open-minded and maybe I'm overly critiquing my own side, which I've been guilty of before. But uh, Bernie Sanders, I thought, opened himself up to two new lines of attack. I thought Kamala Harris didn't come across as very solid on a lot of areas. I think a lot of the spots she was like, well, we'll leave that open for conversation. Amy Klobuchar seemed way out of her element, not out of her league, but out of her element. And that could be because of the nature of where they were at. The other two, uh, Mayor Pete and Liz Warren, I think, did the best. 
But I fear that Pete Buttigieg has maybe exposed himself as not um, policy ready yet, especially right. when compared to Liz Warren. You yep. know, because that was a big contrast between where he's at and where she's at. And I wonder if she is going to suffer from the same thing Hillary suffered from, and that is being the over-empathetic mom figure. Any She's woman solid. is going to be characterized as that unless they start campaigning as Margaret Thatcher, you know, as, as the Iron Lady. Uh, you know, if they, if they take uh, essentially Betsy DeVos kinds of positions, then, then people wouldn't say that. But, you know, Brent, you're echoing a, a sexist perspective, frankly. I don't feel that way. She's my candidate thus far. I mean, that's how I'm voting. I'm just yeah. fearing that she's going to be portrayed that way. And that, oh, that, of course you, you will. Know, that, I, yeah, but I don't think you can stop that. I mean, the majority of people working in the media are men. Probably the majority of men are sexists, whether they realize it or not, or whether they proclaim it or not. You're always going to see that. I mean, it's, it's and getting... there's no, nothing she can do to fix that, Tom? I think she just needs to keep being herself. I think I think Liz Warren is doing a really, really good job of being herself, and that's you know that's enough. I thought she did a great job. Me too. Her policy is definitely the most advanced for our side. So I, right. I love her, but I just I I thought she sounded very empath. I, I kept hearing it, and I kept going, "Oh my goodness! I wish I didn't hear that." You know, I think empathy is a good thing. The thing that Elizabeth Warren did last night that none of the other candidates did that I thought was so brilliant was just about every answer included a little mini story. And that storytelling is powerful, powerful, powerful stuff. And she has figured it out, and she's figured out how to use it. And I, th I think in this era of reality TV and all this other stuff, her storytelling ability, I think, is, is going to uh, be the thing that, that, that takes it on. Brent, thank you for the call. George in Tacoma Park, Maryland. Hey, George, you wanted to, you wanted to debate the Civil War? No, I mean, why did you say that Lincoln should not have fought the Civil War? Oh, I think he should have fought the Civil War. My, my wife, I at various times over the years, has suggested that, uh, you know, I mean, one of the things that is just a fact of history is that when Lincoln decided to fight the Civil War, he thought it was going to last six weeks. And he didn't realize 600,000 people were going to die. It was going to last years. It was going to, you know, tear the country apart. And he didn't realize that even though that would be the end of slavery, it really wasn't the end of slavery. And it wouldn't be for another 100 years, or at least that whole spectrum of the scourge of racism and things associated with it, you know, the Jim Crow and whatnot. And so, well, you know, her take was the southern states, you know, they want to go down this path of being basically libertarian paradises. Let them. I'm less sanguine about that. I think that, you know, Lincoln did what he had to do. I think he did the right thing. And I think keeping the southern states and Louise is not, you know, like this is not some big thing in her pantheon of political positions. I think she's wrong on that. I agree. Uh, there were people in slavery. Yes. So for him to fight well, that, the war was taking some active steps to oppose that. Well, I, I agree, although that, that. That, that was not, you'll recall, if you're, if you're a student of Civil War history, Lincoln didn't fight the war initially over the issue of slavery. Now, the South seceded over the issue of slavery. But that was not Lincoln's thing. Lincoln's thing was initially was you can't break apart the Union, and therefore you well, can't well, leave the let, Union. Let me, let and and add, uh, in the in the in the point. first year of the war, I mean, you know, before he issued the Emancipation Proclamation, he was talking about we can reach a compromise here that'll allow slavery to continue to exist in the South. Well, let me ask you a question about that. Do you think it would have been okay to let 
those states succeed? As I said, I don't, and I think broadly Louise doesn't. Thanks for the call, Grant. And and you know, I, I take you know representing my wife on the air at, at some peril here. Um, Grant in Kirkland, Washington. Hey, Grant. Thanks for taking my call. I got to thinking about the impeachment issue, and uh, I find myself wondering if the Democrats really understand the position they're in, because for people to get out to the polls. This is a very critical time for them. If they wimp out the way they're notorious for, they're going to lose credibility. So yeah. here's, here's, the, here's the debate, David. On the one hand, if the, if the Democrats wimp out and say, no, we're not going to impeach the guy, Donald Trump is going to go full bore on 14 angry Democrats, and this was an attempted palace coup, and they tried to remove me from office, and I'm going to take these guys down, and the Democrats are going to look like they're standing around holding hands or twittering their thumbs or whatever. On the other hand, if the Democrats try to impeach him and they can't get enough votes to remove him from office in the Senate, Donald Trump is again going to claim victory and say, see, well, here was another attempt. And it's kind of like, you know, heads I win, tails you lose. But what we're overlooking is that we need to know that our dog is in the fight. Yes. And the thing is, if they're so afraid of losing power, this may have the effect of them losing credibility and power. So they don't really have a choice because they're either in there fighting for me or they're just going to give it up. And do they really have a choice in the matter? I don't think so. So put your head down and get in the fight. And, see and I think they're going in that direction, and they're starting with the hearings, because that's where you have to start okay. in an impeachment. David, thank you for the call. I agree with you. Aaron in Kentucky, excuse me. Hey, Aaron, what's on your mind today? Yeah, I just wanted to say that I think Elizabeth Warren did the best in the uh, town halls. She really manages to frame her policies so that everyday Americans could really understand them. Yeah. The questions that Bernie got were just almost laughably dumb, in my opinion. The questions that Bernie got were clearly intended to produce a soundbite that could be used to take down Bernie. The headlines that they were putting out on the seconds after he was getting these questions seems like it was... Like seems like it was questions. a setup? That's what it seemed like to well, me. Well, they knew. See, they, CNN's producers selected the questions. You know, the, the students asked the questions, but the students had pre-submitted. There were hundreds and hundreds of questions that were pre-submitted. Yeah. And the producers went through them and said, oh, well, you know, we'll, get, you know, we'll ask these. You know, and they chose the ones that they were going to ask. And the ones that they chose for Amy Klobuchar were, by and large, very, very soft. There are a number of areas where I think she's very vulnerable, and none of those areas were exposed. The questions that they asked of Bernie were, in my opinion, designed to take him out of the race. They were trying to get a Michael Dukakis, Kitty Dukakis moment there. Bernie, I thought his response was brilliant. But, you know, the clip of that that is being played on, on network television uh, doesn't include the part of his rebuttal or his response, uh, you know, to the murderers and mass bombers and rapists question. It doesn't include his actual response, which was, you know, this is a slippery slope when you start taking away people's rights to vote. Aaron, thank you for the call.
If you're like me, then safeguarding your money through market downturns is a clear priority. And frankly, we've seen enough market volatility to make any investor nervous. For people like us who think outside the box and read between the lines, it's becoming even more clear that the insider secret of accumulating physical gold is becoming a lot less of a secret and more of a trend. According to the World Gold Council, in 2018 alone, central bank gold purchases increased by over 74%. The bottom line is that we are starting to see the cracks forming in our economy. And the faster you take action, the better your opportunity. There's only one company I personally recommend in this industry, and that's the expert strategists at ITM Trading. They specialize in wealth protection and opportunity positioning. Both, as you know, are imperative in our current economic climate. Call my friends at ITM Trading at one own gold Ask for their free gold protection guide and hedge your bets like the top 1% do. Call one Triple eight own gold. That's one eight 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 O W N G O L D. One triple eight own gold. Tom in St. Paul, Minnesota. Hey, Tom, what's up? I wanted to kind of elaborate on what you brought up earlier on saying that we need to bring a chainsaw to a knife fight. Everyone knows that this 2020 election is going to be basically framed as un-American, anti-Christian socialist Democrats versus flag-waving Christian real Americans. That is how they're going to frame this, right? Yep, they already have. And they already have. And, you know, Americans, the premise here is that Americans don't do nuance. So when that woman who asked Bernie the question and, and she implied, Bernie, you want to bring Soviet Marxism right. to America. Right. And in other words, Bernie, you're un-American, is what she's saying, right? That's right. Yeah, that, that question and, shocked me. Yes. No, it didn't shock me. I'm expecting that. That's going to be throughout the whole campaign. Yeah. And so we must respond, like you say, we got to bring a chainsaw to a knife fight and understand what this is going to be about. And so what we need to do is say, no, no, our opposition, the, the Republicans, they are the un-American ones. You don't have to say it that explicitly, but you have to imply that just like they're implying it. And basically, he invoked FDR's economic rights, but it just didn't pass. And he didn't elaborate saying that the GOP wants to privatize Social Security, who want to privatize Medicare, and that is un-American. Yeah. Right? Yep. Well said. And, yep. and, and, and hopefully we'll see Democratic candidates start to take names and kick ass like you're talking about there, right. Tom. Because right. if we don't, we're going to lose this next election. Tom, thank you for the call. Spot on. It's time for Congressman Mark Pocan with us here on the Tom Hartman program. Congressman, the Mueller report has come out is since the last time you and I talked. What's your hot take on this? I just think that, you know, everyone should read this, even if it's just certain parts, the summary parts is more than enough, although I think the juicy details often even fall in the footnotes. But, you know, clearly, and you heard Jared Kushner say the report was worse than the hacking and the interference by the Russians. It was just a few Facebook ads. You know, it's 180 pages of what the Russians did. They are clearly spinning something. And when you read the obstruction parts of it in Donald Trump, uh, it is very clear that this president was not operating above board. And I think the 
fact that now we can bring in some of these key witnesses, especially Mr. Mueller, and hopefully if the president has nothing to hide, some of his other folks that he's apparently telling not to appear before us for subpoenas, I think the American people are going to hear an awful lot, and that is going to lead us probably down a path much closer to impeachment, I think, than anyone ever imagined. Yeah. You know, he talked to reporters on the way to Air Force One and said something like, where's the effect? That the only way that Democrats can beat me in 2020 is with this uh, little stuff or irrelevant stuff or whatever. And basically what he's talking about is his life as a criminal. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right, right. And, and, he and if he's as president. And if he's saying they can beat me if they reveal my life as a criminal, then hey, you know, let's go for it. Okay, Congressman Pokey, I'm ready to pick up some phone calls? Yeah, absolutely. And JP in Bozeman, Montana, you're on the air with Congressman Pokey. Awesome. I can't believe I'm the first caller. I am concerned about the schism in the Democratic Party. It doesn't seem to be getting any better. And fortunately, we've got a lot of time still. But it seems like we in the progressive side need some sort of truth and reconciliation. I know that Tom doesn't want to relitigate the 2016 campaign, but the Hillary Bernie thing has me concerned. I would support it both, but it seems like the two camps, especially, you know, on the right of Hillary and on the left of Bernie, are really butting heads still. Yeah, I retweeted Peter Dow's column yesterday saying we all need to take this seriously, where he was saying I was a Hillary supporter, I hated Bernie, but Bernie's a serious candidate and we need to let the process play out. And I retweeted that saying the same thing. And I got dozens of tweets from diehard Hillary supporters saying, you know, screw you and Bernie's not a Democrat and blah, de, blah, de, blah. I mean, there's one message board in particular over Democratic Underground where it's just like hate Bernie all the time. I'm just astonished by this, Congressman Pocan. Your thoughts on how the party can heal this rift? Sure. I, I mean, I think one of the challenges that we're going to face is you're going to be up to at least 20 candidates very, very soon if we're not already at 20. I've truly lost count on how many people are running. And I don't know how many will last even through the next six months to the next year because 20 candidates is an enormous amount. But a number of them are going after other candidates behind the scenes through their surrogates trying to find that positioning. So my caution, I would say to everyone, is we are as strong as our weakest link. And if we demonize anyone in the primaries, we're less likely to come out of this successful. Whether it be Bernie or whether it be any candidate that's polling at 1% right now, we should be realizing the person we're trying to beat is Donald Trump. And, you know, quite honestly, many of the reasons why we talk about Medicare for all or why we're talking about debt-free college or free college is because of ideas that Bernie brought to us previously. Elizabeth Warren's would bring some tremendous ideas out there. So my caution to everyone is if we stay as positive as we possibly can, like we did in Wisconsin in our gubernatorial primary, we beat Scott Walker. If you want to beat Donald Trump, we do it by being unified. Yeah. Omar in Herndon, Virginia, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Tom, thank you for the town hall. Good day to you, Mr. Pocan. Mr. Pocan, people don't choose moment. Moment choose people. You and your colleague have been chosen by this moment in history to write the history history to impeach. History going to look back at you and judge you. The thing is that there are so many colleagues in the Congress or Democrats or former prosecutors, former DAs and attorneys, and went to Harvard and Yale. You guys know the law. We need to get this process going. Let's get the public on our side. Let's force every Republican who is up for election to either vote for Trump or be against him. What say you? 
I think you're asking in regards to the Mueller report, I believe. And impeachment. Yeah, and impeachment. So let me say, this is my viewpoint. You know, I've read through the report, and there is a lot of damning evidence in there. But we have to bring Bob Mueller in. We have to bring in Don McGahn, definitely. There's some other folks that would be key. If Donald Trump truly has nothing to hide, he thinks he's been exonerated, then he will have no problem with anyone coming before Congress to clear his name, because by his own admission, this report puts out negative things about him, and he hasn't had a chance to clear his name. If he's not willing to... And then he forces us to go to impeachment. Clearly, that tells you a whole lot more about his credibility than anything else. I think we should be calling his bluff. We should be doing those major witnesses that we need to to see if we can get some additional information. And if he blocks that, then we know the, the truth. And then we are forced. He's forced us to go to impeachment hearings. But don't forget, for us to get impeachment, we need Republican votes. So I do think there is a proper way to do this. And I think the proper way is let's bring in these initial witnesses And if Donald Trump doesn't allow them in, he tells them not to participate, well, then he's going to force us into something. And I I think that is the best positioning we can have nationally. Okay. Karen in Lawrence, Kansas. Karen, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi. Thank you both for all you do. I'll be quick. Um, One of our senators, Senator Moran from Kansas, is one of the senators who went to Russia over Fourth of July week last summer. And I was just wondering if that is being investigated. And I called Chen Moran's office this morning, and I said maybe that's part of the report that's been redacted. Hmm. Or that also was a public trip, right, and we knew about it. If you read the report, you find out how much the public had no idea what was going on and how much this administration went out of their way to make sure the public would not know that Russians were reaching out to them to give them information that Trump, high-level Trump campaign officials and family members were sitting down at these meetings, that part of the redaction, so we don't have the name, tweeted when Hillary Clinton officially conceded, Putin won. You know, for anyone, especially Jared Kushner, to say that that was nothing. It's 180 pages of report of Russians hacking and buying ads and doing other things to create a problem here in the United States. That is unequivocal. And for them to be backpedaling that tells me all the more we need to have more witnesses come in because there's going to be even more than comes out than is just in the report. Does your current office chair support you? I mean, if you're lucky, maybe it goes up and down, but can you sit in it for hours before it becomes uncomfortable? You know, I I broke my back skydiving back when I was 20 years old, and finding a good chair has been a lifelong struggle. The X-Chair has this dynamic variable lumbar support. They call it DVL. The X-Chair's DVL was designed to adjust to you, and every other part of the chair can be custom adjusted to fit you. That's why the X-Chair is equally supportive, whether you're 5'2 and 110 or 6'4 and 250. And now with the introduction of the X-Basic model, there's an X-Chair for every body type and every budget. Take advantage of X-Chair's new financing option and pay as little as 30 bucks a month. Take your comfort and productivity to the next level for less than the cost of a daily cup of coffee. X-Chair's on sale now for $100 off. Just go to xchairtom.com or call 1-844-4X-Chair. X-Chair comes with a 30-day, no questions asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. Go to xchairtom.com now and use the code XWheels and you'll receive a free set of the new X-Wheels with your chair xchairtom.com. Richard in San Antonio, Texas, listening on TuneIn. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah, I just have a question. Why don't I hear anything about Mitch McConnell taking all this Russian money and Richard Burr 
and these other Republicans. I think we need to go after the Senate just as vigorously as we are trying to get, get a hold of Trump. I would add a question that I have too, Congressman. Yeah. The news is reporting this week that a Russian oligarch, one of the ones that was part of the Mueller investigation, is opening a $200 million aluminum factory in Kentucky just in time for the election. New jobs yeah. for Mitch McConnell's district or state. I'll tell you, again, you know, I really encourage people. It is a long read. It's not, you know, I had a couple of colleagues say, oh, I'm going to put three hours aside to read it. It is not a three-hour read. It's, it's over 400 pages, and if you read it, with the footnotes, which I think are really crucial. So you have to every time go down and check to see if the footnotes got some interesting additional information. It, it's a long read, but there are some summary parts. I think everyone should do this because it will provide so much more information. When you look at the Russian involvement and the number of different ways that they tried to get at Donald Trump to get information and how Donald Trump tried to capitalize on contacts for his business's sake, it just leads to enough questions that we need to bring more people in to answer what Robert Mueller didn't get. Don't forget, Robert Mueller didn't talk to Donald Trump. He didn't talk to some of the Russians that were involved. In some cases, when he did, it was when other people like Manafort or others lied to him lied to Mueller during the report. There is so much more, I think, that is out there, and when the American people hear about it, it is impossible to agree with what Trump and Jared Kushner and others are trying to put out about this, and it will fully expose them. So, you know, whether it be the Senate, as Richard's bringing up, or others, I really encourage people to at least read the summarized parts of the report, and you will get a lot of information that is very useful as you talk to Trump supporters. David in Columbus, Ohio, listening to WGRN. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hello, Congressman and uh, Tom. I just participated in a uh, legislative hearing in Ohio on a um, bill that was introduced by the Ohio House to um, supposedly improve air quality, but it's actually to subsidize nuclear and coal plants and uh, eliminate Ohio's renewable standards, which is already our renewable standards have generated 112,000 jobs in uh, renewable energy and nine, almost 10,000 jobs in energy implementation. But I, I feel like the Democrats have a chance to make a transition, not just promote clean energy, but there's going to be coal plants that shut down, there's going to be nuclear plants that shut down, and these brownfields need to be fixed, and um, the Democrats should be proposing things. The state of Colorado has already created something called the Colorado Energy Impact Assistance Act, which helps communities that are um, impacted by loss of jobs from uh, coal plants. Do the Democrats have anything on that, or are they just letting the states do everything? Yeah, David, I think you know, when we talk about the Green New Deal, this is something that needs to have more meat put on the bones, because I think it is one of the big concerns. We absolutely have to, for the sake of the planet, deal with climate change, but you know, it's not a very satisfying answer that, oh, don't worry, when you lose your job, you'll get retraining, and then maybe you'll get a job that pays 30% of what you made. And that's not at all what we're saying, but that's the spin by the other side. What we really need to do is really show how we can still have those good-paying, family-supporting jobs that run outside of those traditional fossil fuel industries, but complement a green economy. And, you know, some of this is really taking a major national investment, whether it be like we invested to go to the moon or others, into doing that. And we can really have the economy transform and put us 
into the future, or we can kind of traditionally wait for, you know, to see how the economy transform without it with a planet that keeps getting warmer and warmer. So I think it is incumbent on uh, Democrats to do a better job of fleshing out this part of the Green New Deal, because I think it's a part that gives the most anxiety to a lot of working people in those fields that see their job possibly going away. It doesn't have to be that way, and we need to be better about articulating that. Casey in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. You're on the air with Congressman Pokin. Hey, guys. How you doing? You know, you are talking yesterday, Tom, about the candidates and stuff like that and about Elizabeth Warren, how she's one of the stronger ones. And I beg the differ. The progressive base is basically shunned her because she had an opportunity to back Bernie, and she never once helped him in 2016, and she endorsed the Wall Street queen. How can Elizabeth Warren be against Wall Street when she endorses, you know, Hillary Clinton? Yeah, Casey, I think uh, that is one of, unfortunately, the worst arguments I've heard about a fight from three years ago, blaming Elizabeth Warren for not getting behind someone during a primary. Therefore, we're going to shun her for the rest of her life when she's putting out some of the most innovative ideas. Look, I voted for Bernie Sanders personally when he came through Wisconsin. I think a lot of the issues that we're talking about now are because of Bernie. And yet I think Elizabeth Warren right now is probably generating more ideas than any candidate. I don't think it helps us to, again, go after individual candidates for small offenses that we might see. We need to realize the person we're trying to beat is Donald Trump. And I welcome every good idea by any candidate and Elizabeth Warren, quite honestly, is generating some of the best ideas right now. Uh, Bernie has historically generated some of the best ideas that we now have talking in. And I hope that we really try to keep positive going into 2020. And uh, I think we'll all be better off. Clint in St. Peter's, Missouri, here on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yeah. Hi, Mark. Hi, Tom. I love you guys. Thanks for all you do. Thanks, um, Clint. Calling Thank because you. the Mueller investigation makes it clear that Trump is acting in the interest of Russia, whether or not there's a definite line there or not. I am also concerned with Mitch McConnell's role in all this. You know, we know Obama was going to act on the influence that Russia was putting on our 2016 election. And Mitch McConnell basically shot that down and said he politicized anything that Obama did. Part of doing the process that we're trying to do by bringing in some of the witnesses about various parts of what in the Mueller report expand the issue. Mueller investigation never looked at the emoluments clause, for example, and there's a lot of other issues like that that we're having oversight, uh, also looking at taxes and other issues. I think when it comes to the Senate, it's hard for us to go after a senator. It's up for the Senate to kind of have oversight over the Senate, but. As the Senate acted on some of these issues that we're bringing in with any witnesses, you can certainly bear light to that. But I think it would be really hard for the House representatives to go after a senator through an investigation. But we can still bring information to light. And there's so much information that can still come to light that wasn't in the Mueller report that's related to it that I think would be certainly pertinent and important to bring out. Kathy in Los Angeles, listening on KPFK, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi. What I wanted to bring up was the fact that the DNC, I think, is continuing to try to undermine Bernie Sanders' campaign. And I don't understand why. The only reason I can think of is because he's not popular with corporate donors. But it seems to me that he's the strongest candidate. He's the only one that really doesn't speak ill of the other candidates. I think he has the most integrity. He's not trying to build a career like some of these other people that are running. I just don't understand why the DNC 
tries to undermine his campaign and why we can't just have the best person win and not all these forces behind the scenes trying to undermine each other. Yeah, Kathy, as uh, someone who is uh, a big fan of Bernie Sanders, first of all, I do not believe the DNC is undermining anyone. I think what you probably mean are some of the surrogates for other candidates are out there trying to demean a lot of the major candidates. But you're right, there's some trying to still pull down Bernie. I think the best thing you can do is just continue to uh, put out the positive attributes of Bernie Sanders. I mean, he's been the first person that's talked about Medicare for All, about free college, about so many issues that are so important and poll extremely high. A vast majority of people support those issues. Run on the positiveness. You're going to have negativeness no matter what. There's 20 candidates. So you better get used to that going into 2020. But that is not coming from the DNC. Uh, it is coming from surrogates for different candidates. And I just want to clarify that because I don't want to get a myth out there that it, it builds to a point that people think that's a reality because I don't see that as a reality, someone who thinks uh, very highly of Bernie Sanders. Kent in Hempstead, North Carolina. Kent, oh, geez, I just, we only have 30 seconds. Uh, oh, Kent. I can make it fast. Okay, do um, real fast. Okay, if Trump has decided to drag his heels and tell his underlings not to comply with subpoenas and some of the other... Okay, you're out of time, Kent. Thoughts on that, Congressman? I'm not sure where he was going with it. Oh, he was, you know, what do you do if Trump drags his heels? I think there are a number of things from contempt of Congress to impeaching cabinet secretaries to a lot of other vehicles we have to make sure that people comply. And I think we will do that because if Donald Trump really... It doesn't feel like he's exonerated, then that tells us a whole lot about where he's really at when it comes to the Mueller report. Yeah, indeed. Congressman Pocan, thank you so much for being with us again this week. Well, thank you, Tom, as always. Appreciate it. Great talking with you. Thank you so much. Welcome back. Let's check in with Talk Media News and find out what's going on in the world today. This report brought to you by GoatsForTheOldGoat.com and Loving What You Do. Ellen Ratner's new book on the line with us is the author of Sideswiped, former Ohio Congressman Bob Ney. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Well, thank you, Tom. Thank you, Bob. So what's, uh, what, what's at the top of your list of the uh, news hit parade today? Well, run, Joe, run. Uh, Joe Biden, of course, I know you've been talking about it. He is the 20th uh, individual to you know, enter the race. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're carrying a story, which um, I know everybody else has talked about, the, but the morning consult uh, Politico poll, which is fascinating, showing him uh, eight points above the president. And the other interesting part is when they have polled people that uh, are supporting you know, other candidates, uh, Democratic candidates, then he becomes their second choice, which is, you know, kind of interesting that he was fairly solid uh, on that. Yeah. It is making the talk of the town. I've talked to consultants on both sides of the aisle, Tom, today in D.C., and uh, it's obviously um, it's a milestone in uh, the announcement process here. Right, and the, and the media loves Joe Biden. I thought it was interesting that uh, he got really great treatment this morning on MSNBC, which is, you know, reasonable. He's a new candidate rolling his stuff out. Mm-hmm. But then right after he made his announcement, he met with Comcast executives for a fundraiser. Comcast, of course, owns MSNBC. It's, it's going to get interesting. Well, it is, and, and that's the other thing, too. If you look down the, um, the money spectrum, you know, number one through five with uh, Mayor Pete uh, Buttigieg is number five. Uh, they have all, most of them have raised money, especially Bernie Sanders in particular, of the $10, $20, $30, $40 range, right? right. Millions, actually. Uh, it's speculated, and I could be 
totally terribly wrong on this, and my friends, but it's speculated you're not going to see that. You're going to see individual contributions, but you're not going to see that groundswell. You know that in within hours you had the you know the small contributions. You know for what it's worth, but I think because um, Joe Biden has been around you know for a long, long time, you're going to see the people that have been kind of holding the money back. Right. Uh, the you know certain people, consultants, politicos, PACs, will probably uh, help to try to catch him him up. Because he would have to actually raise, I'm told, $100,000 a day to the uh, end election to actually equal what Bernie Sanders has. Yeah, Bernie's sitting on more cash right now than the DNC, the DCCC, and the DSCC all combined, uh, which is pretty substantial. Um, I, you know, I'll, I'll probably go over there today and kick in five bucks. I've, I've done this with uh, Bernie, with Elizabeth Warren, with Pete Buttigieg, with, with uh, Marianne Williamson, with a couple of other candidates, uh, just because I wanted to get on their email list. You know, and, and uh, I did this with Donald Trump back when he was in the primaries. I sent him five bucks, and I'm still getting fundraising letters from him. Um, and, you know, it keeps you up to date on what's going on, and, and sometimes it's uh, good material for a talk show. Well, <laughs> so we'll um, find out. Honestly, I, I reach out to to the left, the right, and the middle so that I've got some you know points of view that come yeah. into me. There you go. And, and I try to do that. And the other thing about um, uh, Joe Biden too, I think that's uh, you know going to be you know, obviously very very interesting. Uh, I talked to friends in D.C. on the Democratic side specifically today because I, I wanted to know, and um, they were saying that they thought his entry into the race in particular would knock out a lot of people down down the line in the sense of anybody who's mainstream quote uh, a mainstream democrat he in fact would uh, probably get more of the attention and the money and that would knock some of them out in the you're, you're talking about people like tim ryan people who are right, you know sure. are probably running not because they think that they have a chance of becoming president but because they they their their, their long-term goal is to become you know the senator or the governor from ohio kind of thing Correct, and and by the way, Tim Ryan is a friend of mine. I really like him, so I'm not trying to say. Oh, that I, I know Tim race. Ryan. I, you know, he's a meditator. We have that in common. We've spoken oh, at the same course. venues together. I like him too. No, I just don't I think just he has a chance of becoming Ohio, president. Your Ohio listeners. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, I shouldn't have picked on him, the Ohio congressman. Sorry, like Bob. Him. That's right. You're from Ohio. <laughs> right. And I didn't mean to be picking on him. I, I just, you know, I, no, I, I, I see, I see. I think Eric Swalwell's in that category too. I think that there, there you are. Go. Yeah, I'm protecting Ellen Ratner and I. In yeah, there you right go. I, you know, I think that probably about a third of the people who are running right now on the Democratic side are running for the same reason that you had so many people running for the Republican side four years ago, and that is not that they think that there's a good chance that they're going to become president, but they're going to get a book sure. deal. They're going to become a commentator on a major network. They're going to, uh, they're going to run for the Senate. They're going to run for governorship, and these are low-cost, low-risk ways of radically raising their profile. I think Pete Buttigieg probably started that way for the same reason. Oh, yes. And and I think Correct. probably he's going to settle back down into that. We'll see. Um, it's interesting. I had asked, uh, you know, what do you think about each one of the candidates during the um, during the CNN town halls a couple of days ago. And I don't know if Twitter is pushing the feed or if I've got a bot army coming after me or what, but if you read my Twitter feed for the last 48 hours, it is almost, I mean, there must be hundreds of tweets there basically trashing Mayor Pete. It's just incredible. Um, so, you know, we'll see where all this goes. And, and I would love to uh, look behind the curtain. I'd love to know who all these people are and why they're saying what they're saying, but we, you know, we may sure. never know. Anyhow. You never know. And uh, the other story uh, out here, there's an article. It's very interesting because 
It says that Americans see politics as the biggest economic threat to themselves. And in this story, by the way, this doesn't break down to your normal red or blue state. I wanted to, to mm-hmm. mention that. In fact, when you look at the amount of people that are unhappy due to politics affecting their economics, Republicans are included. And guess what? The tax cut is not doing good, including uh, with Republicans. Yeah. Well, I think it's so obvious to everybody that it was a scam. I mean, you know, it's like uh, virtually all of the benefit goes to to, 87 percent of the benefit goes to the top of one percent. There you go. Bob Nay, author of Sideswipe. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Great talking with you. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 